Philippians is the book of joy. And we're doing a study on joy. We need to study about me some joy. And uh, we just saw last week that our Heavenly Father is the author of joy and the source of joy. All right, let me t- we want to talk about something wonderful. It's going to be a little different tonight. We're going to do a little theology, but it won't. I hope it don't hurt you. I saw Monday, New Gallup poll, 72% of Americans are not only worried about the future right now, here's the word, terrified. It was Gallup's word. Three out of four Americans are terrified of what's coming in the future because of the economic uncertainty, the craziness of our nation, the lawlessness, and the world situation right now. And I'm, you know that. I'm hearing that all the people are really worried about the future and, and what's going to happen out there. <clears throat> Let me help you tonight. Let's do this. Uh, what if you knew the future? Now, now not, not what's going to happen, but what if you knew about the future? What if, what if you knew it's going to be all right with me and my family? What if you knew that? You'd never worry again. You, you'd be confident. What if you, what if, so let's say this. What if you had confidence about your future and you may not know all the details, but you knew it was going to be good no matter what? Is that, that's impossible. Read one verse with me. I love, I've been chewing on this verse for 50 years. Well, 40 years anyway, 40 plus years. And then you need to memorize this verse. Don't just memorize it. Get this thing down in your heart till it swells up like cheap bubble gum. You know, you chew on it, it gets bigger and bigger. Chew on this till it gets big in your heart and it'll change your life. And it's Philippians 1, 6 that says this. Being confident. How many of you know confidence is a good thing? Being confident of one thing, this very thing. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it till the day of Christ Jesus. You get that truth down inside your heart, you will enjoy your life, you will rest at night, you will never fear again. This is one of the most powerful verses in the Bible. It's one of the most powerful truths in the Bible that if you had down in your heart, you had this confidence, even when I don't hear God, even when I don't feel Him, He never stops working in me and He will finish what He started. I know this is going to be a little bit theological. I just want to take this one verse tonight and talk to you about some things. <clears throat> I hear preachers fuss at people and say, you've got to be faithful. You've got to be faithful. Look right here. Look right here. Your future is built on the faithfulness of God, not your faithfulness. Now, your faithfulness can change some things, but my future is not built on my faithfulness. God is faithful. And your future is built on his faithfulness. See this book right here? I was shocked this past week. The new uh, Barna poll came out this week. First time in the history of this nation, the majority of Americans now say this is not the Word of God. It's not in here. Only 40% of Americans now believe that the Bible is truth. Listen to this. Only 2% of Americans believe the Bible is truth applicable for every life situation. That's a massive shift in the last 10 years. Uh, guess what? That don't mean one thing. Hammer it all you want to. You'll be gone. It'll still be here one day. This is eternal truth. Our lives are built on this book right here. And if his promises break down, the universe collapses. And one of the greatest promises you'll ever claim in your life is Philippians 1, 6. All right, the faithfulness of the Father. Now we're going to look at four truths about this issue. These are theological. This is about your life and what's going on. And number one, he started it all. You had nothing to do with it. What does it say in that verse? He who began a good work in me. You had nothing to do with it. If you think about Jesus, believe in Jesus, love Jesus, you had nothing to do with that. He did it. He who began a good work in me. Many a time folks have asked me, where'd you find Jesus? I just laugh. 
I wasn't looking for him. I was running from him. God drop tackled me. He came and found me. So he didn't drop tackle me. I just believed in him. No, he drop tackled you. You just don't know it yet. He began that thing. He began a good work in you. Let me give you a little theology here. You were chosen by God to belong to him before the earth was ever created. He knew your name. Now, let me show you that. I want you to turn the. Let's look in Ephesians. Well, one verse back. Ephesians is a good place to look at that. Ephesians chapter 1. You say, Brother Brian, you don't understand. I was an accident. No, you were a surprise to your mom and daddy, but you were not an accident. <laughs> Jeremiah 1.5. Before I knit you in the womb, I knew you. I want, this is, we're going to talk about big stuff tonight, tough on the human head. This is for the human heart. Before God ever said, let there be light, he knew my name. He saw me. He wrote things in a book, that's Psalm 139, and he chose me to be his son and bless me before he ever said, let there be light. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Just as he chose us in Jesus before the foundation of the world, before he ever created this world, he chose you. Verse 5 having predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters by Jesus according to himself, according to his good pleasure, means he was tickled to death about it. Well, you can't say death and say God. He was just tickled pink about it. He got excited about you before time began and chose you to be a son or daughter. Right there it is. He started this thing. There's no question about it. Let me read one more to you. This is one of those great, uh, I'll just read it. 2 Timothy 1.8 says this. Don't be ashamed of Jesus or me, the prisoner, who has saved us and called us to himself, not according to what we've done, but according to his own plans and kindness, which was given us in Christ Jesus before time began. You had nothing to do with it. God saw you and loved you and called you. And uh, the Bible is very clear. He called you to be his so he could be a father to you and be good to you. You say, oh, Brother Brian, you know, I was just thinking about the Lord one time. No, you weren't. You have never thought about him that he didn't put it in you to do it first. It's one of the great mysteries of life is in Romans 3.11 where it says this. There is none righteous. There is no one who seeks after God. No, not one. No person can ever even think in their own minds. I wonder if there is a God. You couldn't do that unless he told you to do it. You, you can't even look for God unless he calls you to come looking for me. Let me show you one of the great truths. John chapter 6. Let me show you what happened here. And this is one of those, again, this is just over my head mystery stuff, but it's wonderful. I've had people think, do you, do you think God knows my name? He created your name before he ever said, let there be light. Um, John chapter 6. Watch this right here. By the way, this help you pray for your sons, daughters, friends, fathers, mothers that don't know Jesus yet. Watch this. John 6, 44 says this. No one comes to me. Nobody comes to Jesus unless the Father who sent me, what? Draws him. You can't even think about Jesus unless God's working in you to cause you to think about it. So I came to Jesus when I was seven. God brought you to Jesus when you were seven. You had nothing to do with it. You say, Brother Brown, I surely had something to do with it. Well, hang on a minute. Verse 45, it's written in the prophets. They will all be spoken to by God. Everyone who hears and learns from the Father goes after Jesus. You know why you said yes to Jesus? Because God spoke to you and put it in your heart to call on Jesus. He who began a good work, he started the whole thing. It, this, this sort of turns everything around. Now, uh, so Brother Brown, I, I, 
I, I put faith in Jesus. I right, listen to this. You didn't even have the faith to trust Jesus. He had to give you that. Right, this is Ephesians. I love Ephesians chapters 1 and 2. It's the deep stuff of the Bible about our relationship with him. Ephesians 2.8 says this. For by grace, the kindness of God, are you saved? And that not of yourselves, through, through faith, and that not of yourselves, even the faith to call on him is a gift from God. He, he calls me to, he told me about Jesus, and I heard through a man, but God spoke to me through that man. He gave me the ability to believe in Jesus. He put it in my heart to want to come to Jesus, and then he even put the faith inside of me to ask. He began the whole thing. He'd been chasing you since four time began, and he started this thing. And uh, that's why, uh, well, I'm going to save that for a little bit. We'll get out of line. All right, so you, he started it all. If you, have, if you have any notion that there's a God, that Jesus is real, if you want to know Jesus, God did that. And he's been working in you. He started. All right, listen, what does the Bible say? Be confident of this. He who began a good work in you will finish what he started. Now, how long? Until the day Jesus comes back to this earth. What does that verse tell me right there? There's times you don't hear him. There's times you don't feel him. There's times you can't figure out what the heck's going on in my life. But there's never a moment in your life that God is not actively working in your life. There is never a moment. That's why I love that title. When God is silent, he's never still. When he's silent, he isn't still. That, that's one of well, the great theological truths. Number two, God created you for three purposes according to the Bible. You were created for three things. You know, I, I like to work in my shop and create things. I've never created anything that I didn't have a purpose before I created it. If you don't have a purpose for creating something, guess what you get on the workbench? Kindling. You get a mess. Everything was ever created, it was in somebody's mind first. And he created you for three purposes, very simply. Primarily, the, go the goal of God's creation in you, he didn't create you to work for him. He really don't need us, don't tell anybody. I mean, he likes to bring us in. You say, well, why does he want us to work with him? All right, I'm going to tell you why. This is what he taught me from Scripture. Angels can do more than we can. If I do something for him, like get involved in what he's doing, he lets me work with him. Give me an example. And here's the picture he showed me. All right, I've got a wood shop. I love to work in wood. And when my little boy was just a little fellow, waist high, I'd take him out to the wood shop. I'd say, let's build something today. And we'd, I'd build furniture and stuff. We, I'd say, let's go build something today. Well, we'd go out there, and I loved having him out there with me. And we'd do stuff together. And uh, I'd say, no, no, drill right there. We'll keep your fingers back. Be careful. Do that right there. And we'd make something. Well, and, and we'd make something. We'd be so, I'd enjoy so much having him out there, and we'd be so proud of what we made. Can I tell you something? I could have done it better without him. Little hands just don't work as well as older Hank Trent. I could have done it faster without him. My goal was not to turn out furniture. My goal was to enjoy my son and for us to spend time together. When God calls me into what he's doing in the earth, he could do it without me. The angels came and preached Jesus first. He's calling me into his workshop so me and him can do things together. We are co-laborers. He didn't create me to work for him. Let me tell you what he created me for. The Bible said he created me for relationship, friendship with his son, Jesus. Until you're enjoying Jesus, you don't even know why you're created. Listen to this great verse. Talking about the faithfulness of God. 1 Corinthians 1, 9 says this. God is faithful who has called you into the friendship of his dear son. You know what the picture is there? Now, my wife and I, we've always kept our nose all up in our children's business. This thing about leaving your children alone, you're nuts. You get your nose in their business. Get in that cell phone, find out what they're doing. Get, find out about their friends. Just keep your nose in their business in a good way. And I knew that my girls one day would need a husband. 
45 or so. I knew they'd need a husband one day. Well, I decided I'm not about to just let them pick them out. Young, inexperienced. I wanted to say to them, look what happened to your mama. You better be careful. I wouldn't let them pick them out. So, buddy, I, even when they were just three and four years old, I already had my eye out. And I was looking, matter of fact, I had several picked out already. And, uh, of course, you, you know the end of the story there. Um, I'd have picked out all my kids' mates if I could have. Especially my girls and them boys. I'd have, been, I'd have picked out my girl, I'd have, India, like they do in India, arranged marriages. Do you know the divorce rate there is 0.7? They got something going on over there. <laughs> I'd have picked my daughter's husbands out if I could. Now I love who, I love who they married, great guys. And by the way, they did pick them out. I had to stamp the approval. They picked them out. Don't you understand what the Bible's saying here? God is looking for a bride for his son for eternity. You're the one he chose. You say, what? I know this is over my head. Can I submit humbly? I would not have picked me. I'm not God. Listen to it again. 1 Corinthians 1, 9. God is faithful who has called you into the fellowship and friendship of his dear son. He wanted you to be a friend for his son. He wanted y'all to enjoy life together. Now, that's a wonderful, that's, that's the primary reason I was created. Luke chapter 15, the great parable of the prodigal son. What's the message of that parable? I didn't create you to fuss and be in my fields. I created you to sit down at this table and enjoy me. I created you to cut, let us dine together. I was created to enjoy God. Uh, the Westminster Catechism, I think, is the greatest statement of pure faith in life. Every, it's just one sentence that wraps all of life up. And it, the, Now, their version is this. The whole purpose of mankind is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Well, I changed it. Don't tell them because they don't like you changing their stuff. Let me make that biblical. The purpose of humanity is to glorify God by enjoying Him forever. I was created to enjoy God, to be the friend of God, to be a son, to be the bride of Christ. So you were created to do that, all right? Now, uh, number two, the second reason He created you, He created you to be good to you. God created you to bless you. And you, what's the history of the Bible? Why did you have your children? So you can make money off of them? Surprise. You got ripped off if you had your kids make money off of them. God hadn't made nothing off of me. All he wanted me is just to love him as a father. He created me to be good to you. What's the history? He created man, put him in the earth and said, here, enjoy the earth. He looked down and he said, you know what he needs? He needs a woman. I'll give him a woman. And they, they can be helpmates. They can help each other. And I'm going to bless the work of your hands. And you, know, you were created to be blessed by God. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, uh, 1 Timothy 6, 17 says this. If you've been blessed, don't be cocky about it. Be humble because God has given us all things on this planet to enjoy. Now, he gave me my wife to love and look after, but he gave me her primarily to look after her and to love her and to enjoy her. He gave me my kids to raise, but he gave them to me to enjoy. God created fishing for me to enjoy. Who, who do you think? You think Bill Dance created fish? God created fish. Guess who created fish? One of my favorite verses. Well, listen, you need to memorize this verse. Go ye to the sea, throw in a hook, and take the first fish that comes up. That's one of the great verses in the Bible. <laughs> he told Simon to do that. God created music for us to enjoy. God created any, and different people just, he created life to enjoy. Created me to enjoy certain things. What's the third reason God created me? To be a blessing to people. He created me to enjoy his son, Enjoy what he's blessed me with and to be a blessing to people. This is, script, this is so clear in Scripture. And uh, John 15 says this, Walk with me, abide in me, 
you'll bear much fruit. You'll bless many people on the earth. The only reason I'm left on the earth is to bless people. Now, this, I hope this don't offend you, but if it does, take it up with the one who wrote it. You know, we say, well, there's all kinds of people in the earth. There's three kinds. According to the Bible, and you'll see this over and over in Scripture, there's three kinds of people. And Jesus told pictures of this. The Scripture teaches this. Here's the three kinds of people in the Bible. There's the herders, there's the healers, and there's the useless. Not the worthless, the useless. Let me pick one of the pictures he painted. Luke chapter 10. You remember the parable that Jesus painted about people when he said, to, you remember the parable of the Good Samaritan? Y'all remember that? A man fell among thieves. He's going from Jerusalem to Jericho. Fell among thieves who beat him, robbed him, left him in the ditch for half dead. Two men came by him. They happened to be ministers. I think there's a message there. And they didn't hurt him. They wouldn't dare hurt you, but they didn't help him. They just walked right by him. And who's the third one came by? A Samaritan came by and he saw him and he had compassion. He felt for him and he got down there with him and he poured in oil and wine, which is their medicine, and helped him and brought him to an end and said, take care of him and I'll pay for it. And then Jesus said this, what kind of, turn to the preacher, what kind of people I think you want to be? What kind of people do I want you to be? And they said, uh, the healer. And he said, you have done so good today, Reverend. Now go do it. Go you there and practice this. Three kinds of, who are the herders? Those who hurt people leave them in a ditch. Who are the healers? Those who get involved in people's lives and try to make it better. Who are the useless? Those who walk by them. And all through the Bible, you see those three pictures. You say, Brother, I can't believe you called somebody useless. Listen to me. I did not say worthless. You are, every person's bought with a price and valuable to God. Listen to Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, when he said to his people, you are the salt of the earth. You ever heard that? He called his people two things, the salt of the earth and the light of the world. What's he mean you're the salt of the earth? He said, you're the salt of the earth. Salt affects what it touches. Back then it preserved things. He said, you're the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its ability to influence, it is useless, good for nothing to be thrown out and trampled on. He said, if my people stop helping other people, I can't use them in the earth. So there's three kinds of people. Well, he didn't create you to be useless. He didn't create you to burp, meat, cheeseburgers, and wine. Can I get a witness? And he didn't create you to hurt people and bang on them and beat them. What did he create you to do? Help people. And, and let me tell you something. You want to enjoy your life? Help people. Serve people and love people. And help. So that's the three reasons we were created. And that's, uh, that's why we were put on the earth. Now, let me tell you something. <clears throat> he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. God's working in your life right now. Well, I, I want him to make life easy. I don't see that purpose anywhere in here. If God created you to have a real relationship with his son, to give so he can bless you with things and to make you useful to help people, guess what he's working in your life to do? I said, Brother Brown, I, I just... All right, turn with me to Philippians chapter three, 2. Let me show you something. I said, Brother Brown, I ain't heard his voice in so long. I, I'm so far from God. He ain't done nothing for me. Hang on. Let's see if that's what the Bible says. Build your life on this verse right here. Build your faith on this verse. Quit going by what you feel. Quit living by what you feel. Feelings lie. Nothing wrong with feelings. They just lie. Go by the Word of God. I want you to claim this verse right here. You need to claim Philippians 1, 6 and Philippians 2, 13. 2, 13 says this. God is working in you. Time out. You want to argue with Him? They said, Brother Bun, I'm so far from Him. I don't feel Him. I ain't heard His voice. I don't care. God is working in you to do what? To will and to work for his good pleasure. He created you to be in a love affair with his son. 
He created you so he could be good to you as a father and bless you. And he created you to be a blessing to people. What's he doing in your life right now? He's working in you to bring those things to pass. Now, you want to hear something wild? Everything in your life is working toward that purpose. And his hands behind, hands behind it all. You say, you don't know the crazy things that have happened to me. All right, here's another deep, over-my-head theological truth. You ready? Romans 8, 28. God causes all things to work together for good. If I love him, and I'll call according to his purpose. Everything that happens in my life is him working in my life to do those three things. Uh, he, he never stops. He, will, he just he can't, by his very nature, he can't stop. If he stops working in your life, his word is a lie. I promise you one thing, his word will never fail. You see, you don't know what's happened to me. He's in it. And he's not there. He, he didn't create you to hurt you. He didn't create you to make your life a mess. He created you to be in a relationship with his son. He created you to be blessed by him with things that he's planned. And he created you to help people. And everything in your life is him working to cause that to happen. You say, well, it sure is hurting right now. Yeah. Two weeks ago, I had surgery back here. And uh, let me make an announcement. It hurt. But guess what? The, I had a little cancer back there. But guess what? The, the ultimate goal was not for me to feel good all the time. The ultimate goal was for me to live to be an old man. You know, he's got plans. And he's working his plan in your life. If you're born again, he's working. So he's making me miserable. That's him working. <laughs> to get you back to where he wants you to be. This is, I know this is over, over people. It's over my, way over my head. All right, now listen. Here's my question. Number three, listen to this. What if I get off track and quit believing in God? What if I just give up on God and quit praying? I read, just read a great story, just finished a story about a guy that God called. It, it didn't work out like he thought it would. So he just got mad at God, wouldn't even talk to him, wouldn't pick up the Bible, told his wife, I don't believe in him anymore. He said, my wife started praying. And she was so scared that God was going to drop me. He said, he didn't drop me. What if I get off track and, and sin or just don't believe in God? I, or get, I, get, I don't understand and I just quit on him. And I don't change him one bit. He who began a good work in you, you can, it's like the Marines. You can quit on him, but he's going to come after you. I'll tell you about one of my best buddies, Robbie Shue. Got out of high school. He said, man, you ain't going to believe what I found. He said, you can join this, this social group called the Marines. And said, they will, they'll give you money now. And then, and then they'll, like you do something for them later. And he, like this was right when we got out of high school. We had all summer. And then like he had to go to the Marines in September, Paris Island. You, I mean, there's never a good time to go to Paris Island. And uh, he said, he, so, so I remember that summer, he took that money and bought a new car, a new GTO. Thousand, several thousand dollars, a lot of money back in 1975. And hung around lums and drank beer and all that. And, and then he, I said, well, it's time for you to go Marine, isn't it? When the fall, he said, yep, I'm going to Marine. So he left. About two months later, he was back. I said, what are you doing back? He said, them people's crazy. He said, we went to a place called Paris Island, which is hell number two. He said, you, you can't believe what they did to me down there. I said, what do you do? He said, I quit. I said, you quit? He said, yeah, I just quit. I ain't staying down there. Well, he quit the Marines. Later on there for about two weeks drinking beer. And then one night, these two guys knocked on his mama's door. They had black armbands that said MP right there. You know what he found? You quit the Marines, but they will never quit on you, buddy. And they finished what they started in him in four years. What do you think it means? God is working in you. Run if you want to. He'll run you down. He is going to finish what he started in you because he, it's not, he's not, I'm mad, I'll get you. 
If he was mad, none of us would be breathing. It's because the Lord is good. And he wants you to be blessed. He wants things to be good in your life. And uh, now this is just my theology. A lot of people disagree with me. Some folks are Calvinist. I'm not. I do believe in one thing, and that's the perseverance of the saints. Philippians 1.6, I don't believe you can run from God and keep running. I don't believe he can ever give up on you. I don't believe you can ultimately get away from him if you're ever his child one time. Philippians 1.6, I am confident that he who started it will finish it. I I could build you a great case out of Scripture. Genesis chapter 3 is the first place this happened. A man named Adam and Eve, they sinned against God. They broke relationship with him. God came in the garden and they ran from him, hid from him, like a lot of people are doing today. And what did God say? You had your chance. What did he say? Where are you? He's been saying that for world history. And God chased them even when they ran from him. You see this all through the great pictures of school. What do you think Luke chapter 15 verse 4 means when it says this? If a man has a hundred sheep and loses one, he will leave the 99. Go after the one that's lost until he finds him and then he'll beat the tar out of him. No. He will lay him on his shoulders rejoicing saying, let's celebrate. I got him back. That's the good. You can't. Once you're his, run. He'll run you down. And he's going to finish a good work in you. He who started a good work is going to finish it. Two great pictures of this in the Bible are beautiful. Number one, Simon. A man named Simon's fishing one day. This wild preacher walks up to him and says, spend the rest of your life chasing me. Come on. He dropped his nets, walked off, and followed him. Simon needed a lot of training. And then one day the going got tough, and Jesus said, you're going to quit on me, aren't you? Simon said, I will die before I'll quit on you. He meant it. He just didn't know what, he's, what was coming. Less than 24 hours later, a little girl said, you're one of his, aren't you? She, he flew into a cussing fit, so I never met that man in my life. And, of course, Jesus was crucified. After the crucifixion of Jesus, Simon said, I'm going back to what I used to be, a fisherman. I have blown it. And he went fishing that night, caught nothing. Early the next morning, there's a man on the shore, and it was Jesus, brought him over there, ate breakfast. So he looked at Simon, he said, you love me? He said, I love you. He said, tend my sheep. You mess up all you want to, he'll just call you back to himself. He is going to finish what he started. Now, to me, the most beautiful picture in the Bible is there's a book in the Bible called Hosea. I don't know if you ever read it or not. It's not one of the more popular books. Whew, glad it wasn't me. Hosea was a young man who had just been called to preach. He's a young preacher. And the, listen to this. The word of the Lord came to me and told me, marry the town whore. Now, if you King James Bible, it says of harlotry. But this young preacher, and God told him, go marry the whore in town. The unfaithful whore. Go marry her. I had a little bit of a discussion over that thing. Doesn't look good for a preacher, especially in the Baptist church. And, uh, but he, was, he did it. He did what he told him. And they had three children. Her name was... <laughs> her name was Gomer. I mean, if you're from southern Alamance, it was Gomer. Any way you cut it. Just the same way you spell Gomer. I can't just, he fussed with God. I don't know if because of the way she was or marrying a woman named Gomer just didn't sound good to him. I'm sorry. And you know what? Sure enough, after three children, she ran off and went back into horrid, harlotry. He said, I told you this would happen. What did God say to him? And she, her life fell apart. She was so ragged, went so in debt. She became a slave and was going to be sold on the slave block. And God said, sell everything you got, go buy her back. And he went, took everything he had, liquidated his farm, his wheat, went and paid the price and bought her back and brought her home and said, you'll be faithful to me and I'll be a husband to you. What do you think that's a picture of? Why is that in there? 
the, the name, the Hebrew name Hosea, what's its Greek equivalent? Jesus. Hosea is the Hebrew pronunciation of the name, Greek name Jesus. And it's a picture of God knew we weren't great when he took us. And you can, you can follow him and screw up. He'll still pay to buy you back. He said, this is the God of the Bible. This, this is why we sing songs like Amazing Grace. Not, I understand that grace. That's not amazing. This is the good, but that's the picture of, even if you get off track, you'll, he's faithful. Matter of fact, Philippians, excuse me, Romans 8, 28 says this. We know that God works together and causes, listen to these words, all things. Everything in your life, he can weave it together and it'll come out good. You say, you don't know what's in my life. What do you not understand about the Greek word all? He'll take your failures. He'll take your running. He'll take your backsliding and he'll weave it all together for good. One of the reasons I'm so patient with people who struggle, guess why? I've been there for years. One of the reasons I love backsliders so much, I'm the world's all-time champion. You say, don't tell people that you're the preacher. Yeah, I'm a backsliding preacher. I'm not right now. I have to be right with him right now. Don't check on me in the morning. We got to get off this. I'm trying to be good. God is faithful. God is faithful who's called you into the fellowship of his son. I am confident of something. I mean, right here. You couldn't change me. I am confident that he who began a good work in me, he's going to finish it till the day of Christ Jesus. I can relax in that. I'm not worried about him abandoning me. My goodness. And again, I'm going to quote again Philippians 2.13. God is working in you to will and work for his good pleasure. Cause you to want to do it. Now, let me say this. By your decisions, you can delay it. You can delay blessings. You can delay things, but you can't stop it. I've delayed a few things in my life, and he just smiles, and we go on with it. Last of all, <clears throat> what he started, he will finish. I want you to turn with me to Psalm 138. Claim, hold on. I love to quote this. I love to just chew on it. This is one of my go-to-sleep-at-night verses. Y'all, let me tell you, the last thing on your mind at night doesn't need to be how stupid your neighbor is. The last thing on your mind doesn't need to be how stupid the Democrats or Republicans are. Let me, let me help you. The last thing on your mind has a lot to do with your life before you go to sleep. Because the last thing on your mind, your, let me tell you, your mind don't ever go to sleep. And, and you, through the night. Make the last thing on your mind good news. Make it sweet news. This is one of my go to sleep verses here. Psalm 138. Uh, look with me in verse 8. Psalm 138, 8 says this. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your kindness, O Lord, endures forever. You will not forsake the works of your hands. Listen, everybody look at me. Look right here. Listen to me. The Lord will perfect everything that concerns you. You don't have to perfect it. He'll do it. You know what perfect means, don't you? He'll bring it to completion, maturity. He will finish what he started. He will not forsake the works of his hands. I'm telling you he's going to finish what he started. All right, I love uh, the Hebrews chapter 12 says this. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Do you remember when Jesus was on the cross? Right before he died, he, he prayed out the, this Greek word. He said, to tell us thy, to tell us thy. A friend of mine, Jay Dawes, has got that tattooed on him. To tell us thy is the Greek word that says, it is finished. And at the cross, he finished everything I need. The Hebrews 12 is that same word. Jesus is the author and to tell it, the finisher of my faith. He'll finish this whole thing for me. He'll carry me through the whole deal. All right. Now, let me, let me uh, help you here. 
God is working in my life and he's going to finish it. He is always working in my life to bring me into greater fellowship with his son. He's always working in my life to, to let me hear Jesus more, to enjoy Jesus more. My wife and I, we love each other. We don't want to just be married, be married, drag through life, be married. Come on, old woman. We don't do that stuff. I want our relationship to get better and better the older we get. I can't get an amen out of marriage getting better as you get older. What's wrong with y'all? It's not supposed to start out like fireworks and end up like an outhouse. You know, you're not supposed to die. It's from glory to glory, not glory to crap. It's supposed to get better. It really ought to get better when you get old, Doc, because you ain't got much time left. You're going to do it. Now's the day. I want my relationship with my wife to get better. I want my relationship with my kids. to get, We want to get closer and closer. He's working in your life for you and Jesus to get closer and closer. He is perfecting, making better what he called in you. Just always, he's always working to bring me closer to Jesus. All right? A lot of people wouldn't agree with this. They get mad about this prosperity problem, a prosperity preacher. If he didn't want you to prosper, why'd he write a book and tell you how to do it? God is working in my life to bring me into greater blessing. I was listening to preach the other day. He said, what God wants to do is give you cancer so he can test you. I thought, what kind of booger book do you read, son? If I did that to my child, you know what they'd do to me? That's the stupidest thing I ever heard. God's working in my life to bring me greater blessing. You understand there's some things he's got to do in me so he can bless me more? Y'all understand that, don't you? When my son was 11 years old, he wanted to drive. I didn't let him drive at 11. I let him drive the tractor. I wasn't about to give him keys to my truck at 11. He turned 16. I said, yeah, go on, enjoy yourself. You know why? I had taught him. And you get on what I'm saying here. God is always working to do bigger things for you. And training, he's just never going to stop. You say, well, I ain't cooperating. Well, you might slow it down, but he's not going to stop. Hey, look, look, doc, look, he's good. Start cooperating. Let him, let him bring into it. Number three, he's always working in my life to make me a greater blessing to people. God wants me to bless hateful people. He's always working for me to be a blessing to hateful people. Guess how he does that? Puts them in front of me all the time. Listen, our father is one thing. He's patient. He's always working patience in me. Every slow old woman in this county gets in front of me. Now, not driving. I'm slow driving, but... I, all right, I'm in the food line yesterday. This happens all the time. Four lines, I'm, I always look. Which, how much she got in her buggy? Where's she got in her buggy? Uh, this is it right here. All of a sudden, puts on the light. I'm out of tape. I'm out of tape. And the one right in front of me finally get through, and they'll take out that card. Uh, uh, I'll, rub it. Blow on it. It'll work. And I'm thinking, carry you some money in your pocket so you can pay for stuff. Get out of my way. I'm being silly. He is always working in my life, in your life, to make us greater blessings to people. Which brings greater joy. It, he just never stops. He just... Now, with our kids, I was a full-time daddy. We didn't tell... You know, I got to go do my thing. Y'all be fine. I, was, I kept my nose in their business. I always wanted to teach them, help them, love them, grow them. I kept my nose in their business. My Heavenly Father keeps His nose in our business. Always for our... I didn't want to hurt my kids. I wanted to help them. Let me quit, let me quit by saying this. Ultimately, the Bible, let me tell you what the Bible says, He will perfect me and you perfectly. We don't talk about this much in churches anymore. But let me ask you a question. If you're going to spend three seconds of your life doing this, and you're going to spend 10,000 years of your life doing this, don't you think we ought to look over here once in a while? Which is longer, three seconds or 10,000 years? 
book of James says your life's like a vapor that's three seconds long eternity's the big one dear ones and he's working in me to perfect us all of us I don't know if you ever heard this or not let me just put it out here the Bible says he's going to perfect me physically gray hair going to be gone one day where them muscles used to be they're coming back I don't know if you've ever seen this now turn me to Philippians chapter 3 I love this kind of stuff Philippians 3, now this is part of joy, knowing what's coming. You say, oh, I'm young and healthy. Well, I got news for you. Just hang on. Mary Kay can't do but so much. I watch these little young jocks walk around, they're so stout, and I think, you ain't but a few days away from ringing a bell, hoping somebody bring a bedpan so you don't pee on yourself. Just sit tight. I got news for you. We'll all get old. But look what this book says right here about your physical body. I, I love this right here. Um, Philippians 3, verse 20. Our citizenship is in heaven. We're already citizens there. We eagerly wait the Savior, the Lord Jesus, who will, watch this, transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body by his own power. What's going to happen one day? Now, lowly body doesn't mean my body's bad. This body is, a, our bodies are marvels, marvels of science. But it's a weak body. It gets tired. It gets, it gets old. When Jesus comes back, what's he going to do? This body's going to be transformed into a body like his. Now, I hope you understand this. The body that Jesus went into the grave with is not the body he came out with. He came out, he went in as a man with a human weak body that could feel pain, got hungry. Remember, got hungry, tired. But he came out in what, they call, what the Bible calls a glorified body. Uh, he, when Mary went to the grave, you remember? He was standing there. She didn't recognize him. She thought he was the groundskeeper or the gardener. She said, if you'll just tell me where he is, I'll go get Where have you taken him? I'll go get him. She didn't even recognize Jesus. And the Bible said he said, Mary. She didn't know what, she didn't recognize who he was, but she heard, she knew that voice. And she said, it's you, isn't it? And in that glorified body, it was different. All right, what's the next thing he did? The disciples were hiding in a room that was locked. It said it was locked for fear of the Jews. And they're locked. And Jesus stood right in the middle of them. He didn't go through the door. That glorified body walked through the door. But now listen to this. He said, peace be unto you. And they were so amazed to see him. What's the next thing he said? Remember, y'all got anything to eat? He said, children, do you have anything to eat? And they gave him fish and a piece of honeycomb. The Bible said he ate it in front of them. You're going to eat food in that glorified body. It'll never get tired. It'll never get weary. I, I want so bad in prayer sometimes to ask him if he can get fat. I don't know about that. But you so I can't wait to see Granny in heaven. You won't recognize her. I mean, you'll know her, but you, you don't think there's going to be any gray hair in heaven, do you? Remember, the aging process never came till sin came in. The aging process is a result of sin. Granny will be 25 when you see her again. 23, 22, right at the peak of the human body. But uh, we're going to eat food in, in the new earth. Why do you think it said in Isaiah they'll beat their swords into plows, their spears into pruning hooks? Guess what you do with a plow? You plow and you grow food and we're going to eat it there. That, you know, the Bible says people have different assignments in eternity. To a faithful man, he said, well done, you were faithful. I'll make you the manager over five cities. Makes me not want to be faithful. I don't want to run five cities up there. <laughs> Running one church about killed me. I want me and my son to farm together. They're going to have plows. He said, they'll beat their swords into plows. I don't know whether that John Deere's or not. I don't know what he'll be pulling in things, but anyway, he's going to perfect us physically. The Bible said he'll perfect your mind one day. 1 Corinthians 13, 9 says this, we know in part. You want to, re- you want to hear what he really said there? We don't know much. No, even the greatest mind among us doesn't know much. But when Jesus returns, we will know fully. You can have perfect knowledge one day. 
not on you, you know, your spirit. I mean, you're, of course, you got a new heart now. But the book of Revelation says this. His whole goal is to bring me into a love affair with Jesus. When Jesus comes back, it will be perfected. I will be with Jesus forever. We will love him forever. That's why the second coming of Jesus is called what? The marriage supper of the Lamb. When we're married to Jesus. And the Bible says we see him just a little bit now, but then we see him face to face. You know what else he's going to do? And the Bible said this in Isaiah. I love chapter 2, chapter 65, Revelation, where it says this. He's going to bring us into perfect relationship with each other. Never be an unkind word spoken again. Nobody will ever think a critical thought about another person. They will not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. You know what he's going to do? He's bringing everything back to what he meant to be to start with. Here's the whole Bible, the whole Bible. God made it wonderful. Man screwed it up. God takes it back to wonderful again. That's Genesis to Revelation. In Genesis, first two chapters in the Bible, he made everything wonderful. Genesis 2 through Revelation 19, man screwed it up. He redeemed it through his son, Revelation 21, 22, back to the garden. Beautiful again. And let me tell you about that new earth. This TV has messed our thinking up. We see these movies and we see these weird dudes in white suits sitting in clouds, talking on white telephones with white desks. That's hell. That's the other way. That's not heaven. It's a new earth. You say, well, what's it going to be like? Who made this earth? It's going, to be, it's going to be earth without what man has screwed it up. Earth without man's touch. And, uh, of course, pretty long term. And, and not only that, I meant to say this. The Bible talks that he's, even going, to, he's going to rebuild the earth. Now, this earth is going to be burned with fire. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 13. Our hope is that we're looking for a new earth in which righteousness dwells. And he describes that earth in the book of Revelation. This is, I'm telling you, the man will finish what he started. Yes, well, it's looking sort of dim right now. That's why we better walk by faith instead of the news. And go with what this book says right here. And let's just, we got a second. Let's just look at it. Well, we ain't got much seconds. Turn with me to Revelation real quick. I love the book of Revelation. The other day, the enemy was mocking me about something. And you know what I mean, mocking these thoughts. Thoughts come in your mind about what's going on around me. And listen, don't argue with him. Quote the Bible. Then let me tell you the favorite, the best verse you can vote. Revelation chapter 19. I just quote this verse. And Satan and the false prophet were thrown into the lake of fire where they were tormented day and night forever and ever. What were you saying about what's going on in my life? Put that on him. Let him bite down on that two-edged sword real good there. All right, Revelation chapter... uh, I like this right here. Let's look in uh, 21. Revelation 21, verse 1. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth passed away. Global warming. Tells you that in 2 Peter. There's no more sea. And then he said, I saw the holy city. Now, holy city doesn't mean a city. These are, it's holy city. Here's the people of God. I saw the family of God coming down, prepared as a bride, adorned for a husband. That tells you it's a group of people. Loud voice. Behold, the dwelling place of God is the men. Verse 3. He'll dwell with them. They'll be his people. God's going to be with them. Now, watch, I want you to see the first thing he does in the new earth. This will tell you about our father right here. Verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. What's going on in Ukraine right now? What's going on in homes all over the land, right? What's going on? People are hurting. God's going to wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying. What's these words? No more pain. Now, we think of pain, we think of arthritis, stuff like that. Most of our pain's not physical. Most of our pain's heart pain. Nobody's ever going to hurt again. He said, this is just, this is too wild to believe. No, it's called wonderful. That's what it's called. 
and uh, the former things have passed away. He who sat on the throne said, I'm making all things new. That includes me and you, the earth, everything. I'm making all things new. And he said, write down these words, for these words are true and faithful. That's why we have the Bible. So we can know what's coming. So we can know the future. Let me give you a word of help here and encouragement about your enemy. You have an enemy. And he loves to get in your head. And he loves to put thoughts in your minds. Here's one of his greatest attacks on you. That, uh, we won't look at it. Psalm 42 is a man who loved God, but he's going through a hard place. And he hadn't heard God's voice in a while, and he couldn't understand what was going on around him. It was really hurting. And then he said this in verse 10. He said, all day long my enemies mock me while they say to me, where is your God? Where is your God? That's exactly what your enemy does to you. Things are going not like you think they ought to be. Maybe your prayers are not being answered. God seems far away, and your enemy says, where's this great God of yours? If, there's, if he's so good, how come he's not helping you? That is the enemy of your soul getting in your head. You know what the answer is for that? He who began a good work in me is being faithful to complete it to the day of Christ Jesus. Don't let him get that mess in your head. You tell him we're having a wonderful time. And he's always working inside of you to do that. All right, let me, uh, okay, done. All right, listen to me. Being confident. You know where confidence comes from? Knowing what? He started it, he'll finish it. He's working right now. He's, I don't have to see him. I don't have to. Now, I like to feel him. I love to feel the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, I've told him, is anything wrong with wanting to be close to you? Don't always work out like that. But there's never a moment in my life he's not working to finish what he started. Ever. Let me tell you what happened to me. I've had this happen about four or five times in my life. I'm 30 years old. Katie and I live in a little place called Peachland. I mean, we're so far out in the country. I love them folks. Little country church. Didn't have about 200 people. Had the best time down there. And I'd visit. Back in, you get out and visit people. And the, the shotgun, it was uh, Timberland. You know, the timber companies. Boise Cascade owned all the land down there. I mean, it was miles where there were no houses. And so I'm going down there. It was, one, it was a cool evening in the wintertime. Uh, I'm not sure when. And it was about 6 in the evening. Uh, I remember the sun was going down. I'm driving my little Ford Escort. I'm going way out in the country to see Aunt Gladys. She wasn't my aunt. Everybody there's your aunt in the country. You know, your aunt, all that stuff, uncle, grandpa. Everybody's your grandpa. So I'm going to see Aunt Gladys. Aunt Gladys had cancer. And I'd go out there and visit with her. She died not long after that. I'd go just, I just love them. Open. I'd go out there and visit. We'd have the best time. I'd preach to them and love on them. And we'd talk about old times and pray together. So I'm going to see Aunt Gladys. Beautiful evening. I, I was just, I don't know what I was doing. I wasn't even thinking about anything. And I, I can see the spot right now. A little Ford Escort. I can see the spot, see everything around there. And God Almighty just came into the car. I mean, it's like, I didn't even know he was close by. It wasn't a particularly spiritual time. I wasn't even praying. It's like he just went in the car like that. And I became so overwhelmed by his presence. This happened to me four or five times in life. And uh, here's what he said. Don't you ever doubt. You be confident that I began a good work in you and I'll be faithful to complete it. And I'm not, I didn't just hear it. I felt it in my spirit. That just came over me. From that day to this, I have never doubted one bit. When I goofed up or when I made mistakes or it didn't look like things was going like I thought they should, that incident, that is just in there. You know, if God ever speaks to you, put something in your heart, you can never unhear it. You can never lose. And I've never doubted for one second since then that he, he's right on schedule. Everything's going just fine. Now, if I look in the mirror, I get a little discouraged. And I'm not just talking physically. I look at some of the dumb things I do and I think, I would throw me away. I ain't him. He who began a good... You know, really, I didn't have to have that experience. I could have read it in his word. 
because his word is just his word is true whether you experience it or not. I just appreciate him doing that. He's been so good to me. I, I'd love to tell some of them crazy experiences. Well, I wish I had an experience like that. I do because he's wonderful. But listen to what he said to Thomas. Blessed to those who have never seen and believe my word. This word is our everything. This, this word is eternal truth. And if I were to ask you, how you doing? You'd say, man, God's doing a great job in me. Let's all try that together. I'm going to ask y'all, how you doing? You say, God's doing a good work. How y'all doing? Now you, now you, am I doing good or what? You know what that's called? Faith. I'm telling you, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to, to finish it one of these days. And you just be happy. And you say, well, Brother Brian's getting there quicker than I am. No, he ain't. You don't see him off the stage. Lord Jesus, I want to praise you and thank you. Sometimes when I say you are good, I think, can't you come up with something better than that to say? Good don't even begin to describe you. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good because his kindness lasts forever. Tonight we just praise you and thank you. You're closer than the breath that we breathe. There's times we don't feel you. There's times crazy things happen in our lives we don't understand, like all the time. But your word says that you started this thing and you will finish it. Your word says your eyes on the sparrow. He's watching over me. Your, your word said you numbered the hairs on my head. You don't know how many is up there. You've numbered every single one of them. Father, when I think about Almighty God, I could pull one hair out, hold it up, and you'd say 11,342. I want people to know how close you are, how involved you are. Even if we don't feel it, you are there. And I'm thankful for that. Lord Jesus, we, we're right here in the nasty here and now. We're in those winding down days, tough times on the earth. I think it does us good to look ahead once in a while to the book and look at what's coming one day. And I thank you that I know it's just an old hokey country song, but we'll understand it better by and by. And when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that'll be. Thank you for grace in this time we're living in. But boy, I'm so excited about that new body and that new earth and that new job farming and everything. It's just going to be wonderful. And I praise you and thank you. This is the kindness of God. Thank you that you started this thing and you'll finish it. All the glory to your precious name. Precious Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen.